Chapter 14 Strain Management Dinner was at 7 p.m. that Friday night in the dining room. Magnus sat with his back to the fireplace at what could be considered the head of the circular table. Jack recognized the same cast of characters from the night before, all sharing the same constipated looks, most likely from having to deal with a boss like Magnus, and Gomes, who looked like he had just smoked his dinner. There was light small talk during their salad course, and Magnus was subdued for the most part. However, when Jack directed the conversation toward Greenleaf's production operations, Magnus became more animated. One would think that growing cannabis is easy. After all, they don't call it weed for no reason. Cannabis grows in a variety of climates and can be found all over the world. That said, producing high-quality products at scale, that's a different matter. As you've noticed, cannabis can be grown outdoors in Canada, but the product wouldn't sell. That's the case for most outdoor products these days, partly because no one wants a pollinated plant. Magnus continued, As you've seen with our various rooms, we have specific mother rooms where we take the clones of the production varieties and propagate them. We have veg rooms and flower rooms. The larger rooms are the flower rooms, and here at Greenleaf, we've made many changes to our environmental systems in order to automate them. Jack nodded appreciatively, though he knew all this already. With one pass in each room, he'd already categorized the strains, the cultivar ID tags, as well as the equipment inventory in each room, automatically. Magnus kept going. We've also implemented a new platform that uses a vast array of environmental sensors that measure temperature, humidity, light intensity, nutrient uptake, and a host of other inputs in order to perform machine learning or AI on our crops. He paused for a moment. Mind you that what I'm discussing is covered in our non-disclosure agreement. Jack nodded and Magnus continued. However, once we've amassed enough environmental data, our artificial intelligence platform will help us virtually model our crops to produce our desired outcomes. What works for one strain may not work for another. That said, we'll be able to tailor ecosystem recipes to either enhance yield or other traits such as CBD or THC levels, but we'll be able to do that predictably and at a scale that no producer can match. Jack nodded again. He was aware of the dense sensor arrays in each room. However, the AI portion of what they were doing was new, but certainly made sense. After all, data is data. What you do with it is the secret sauce for any company. So it sounds like you've created basically a big game phenotype hunting tool, Jack said. Magnus raised his eyebrows appreciatively. Indeed, well put, Magnus said. So is that how you believe you spawned a new species? Jack asked, through ecosystem tweaks alone? Magnus shifted slightly. He'd gone on a rant and almost forgotten the reason he brought Jack to the facility in the first place. Possibly, he said, collecting his thoughts. That's why you're here, of course, Magnus said with a syrupy smile that didn't fit his demeanor. Jack chewed on this. If Gomes was right, then a viral delivery system of disparate genes made more sense not just tweaks in temperature and humidity. He could sense that Magnus was freelancing, scientifically at least. Jack turned his attention to Gomes momentarily. Gene, is that what you think? 
Environmental tweaks seem like a bit of a long shot, right? Is there anything else that you may have done to affect the outcome? Jack prodded, quickly looking at Magnus to see if he registered what Luke would have called a liar's tell about the viral experiment Gomes said they were conducting. Magnus's face showed nothing of the sort. However, Gomes looked uncomfortable. No, we've done nothing else. It's just an observation based on the extremely high levels of lesser cannabinoids we found in the samples you tested, Gomes replied, staring at Jack. Hmm, Jack replied. He dropped the line of questioning and sipped his drink. He didn't have Luke's emotional intelligence, but he knew something wasn't right. Between the intermittent small talk, he cycled through his mental recordings of everything he had seen or heard since he had been at Greenleaf. Images flashed through his mind. However, he had yet to make sense of them all. He barely ate, just shoved his food around on his plate. The small talk waned and he watched the others eat. For the most part, everyone had been quiet, pensive, and only responded to questions directed at them. Magnus, however, nonchalantly powered through his prime rib like a butcher preparing a whole cow, offering a continual stream of narcissistic dialogue that was mind-numbing at best. Jack wondered if he was human at all. Gomes picked at his food absently, which was interesting considering he looked like he'd eaten a sack of edibles and smoked half a bag of weed. When dinner finally broke up, Jack signaled to Serena that he'd be a moment then followed Gomes out of the dining room while Magnus discussed other matters with his business team. Jack followed Gomes into the bathroom and cornered him while he was unzipping. What the fuck are you doing? Gomes asked as Jack stared at him. Gomes practically hugged the urinal. Gene, what the fuck was that in there? Jack asked, referring to the dinner conversation. What are you talking about? And how, how about a little privacy? Jack ignored the request. If there's a new species of plant you've uncovered, and I highly doubt it, it didn't come about from tweaking environmental settings. If anything, it was from your viral experiment, Jack said heatedly. Gomes registered a quick look of dismay, not considering that Jack would logically tie the viral experiment to the new species he was hired to validate. Jack noticed Gomes' confusion too, and in an instant, he knew it was all bullshit. All the images in Jack's mind started to fall into place. Data from his acceleration research on Greenleaf came flooding back. Investor details, vendor lists, land deeds, and all corporate documents. Additionally, minuscule details of the grow facility came into focus. Product inventory and systems, down to fertilizer labels. More importantly, research data on agrifuse, an agricultural chemical behemoth. One of his previous acceleration sessions catalyzed the overwhelming amount of data into a distinct idea, one that made more sense than anything Gomes or Magnus had said. Your viral experiment isn't focused on delivering helpful mutations for plants to adapt. It's about fucking them up, Jack said, as if having an epiphany. What? What, what are you talking about? Gomes protested. But his expression told another story. Jack was right. Another piece of the puzzle fell in place and Jack cut him off. Agrifuse. Magnus's partner in this shit is Agrifuse, Jack said, realizing the implications. The biggest producer of weed killer and pesticide-resistant seeds is funding this shit, Jack said, completely unsure of how he actually knew it. 
but trusting his instincts. Jack thought about the employee garden. All of the plants he had seen were representative of the world's major food crops, corn and soybeans. With his thoughts fully formed, he continued, This is about engineering a food blight and owning the cure, Jack said loudly. Gomes zipped up quickly and raised his hands to signal Jack to lower his voice. Keep your voice down, Gomes whispered. He licked his lips feverishly. You can't say a word about this. You hear me? This is bigger than you can imagine. You say anything and it won't just be me in hot water. It'll bite you in the ass too. Magnus isn't someone you want to screw with. He's connected. To what or who, I, I don't know. But you need to drop this now, Gomes said. Gene, you're a virologist. You know how dangerous this shit can be. This is a corporate pipe dream. What you have in that garden, you're not going to be able to control. You'll create a Frankenstein and the story will end the same way, Jack replied, trying to appeal to Gomes' better angels. Again, Gomes pushed back, ego getting the best of him. You're right. I am a virologist, a world-class virologist, not just some fucking biology major. Who the hell are you to offer up help? You're nothing more than a celebrity imposter. I've earned it, and I'm telling you this'll work, Gomes said frantically. Jack stood quietly for a few beats. He knew enough to know that when anyone started beating their chest too much, it was a sign of insecurity and fear. Gomes' swipe at Jack's academic bona fides didn't bother Jack. He had heard it before and was secure in the immense capacity of his intellect. Academic dick measuring was one of the things that he hated and the reason that he and Luke had started their own consulting firm. He didn't take the bait. It was obvious to Jack now, aside from the false bravado, Gomes was in over his head. He made a reasonable assumption and pressed on. Gene. I know your creds, Jack said, trying to turn down the heat a bit. You're a gifted scientist, for sure. But as a scientist, you know you're playing with fire. Playing with fire in a room full of gas, Jack said as gently as he could, trying to hide the edge in his voice. It's not a matter of if, but when it'll blow up in your face. Hell, and everyone's face for that matter. Come on, man, you know it, Jack implored. Gomes's look said it all. He was dug in. You're killing the fucking plants, Gene. What you've engineered, you're never going to be able to control it. That shit can and will species hop from animals to humans, just like SARS and COVID-19 did, Jack said. Then paused, hoping what he had said was sinking in. Another thought occurred to him as he watched Gomes's face twitch. Have you told Magnus it's not working? Jack asked. I can't tell him it's not working. Any fool can see it is, Gump shot back. Dude, you're fucked, Jack said, shaking his head. He decided again to attempt to give Gomes a way out. I told you before, I can probably help. But first you need to tell Magnus it's not possible and you'll destroy that shit, Jack said. I can't just tell him it won't work. It is. The plants are sick. I've done the hard part. Besides, he'd only get someone else to help him finish it anyway, Combs interrupted. Let me finish, Jack continued. Killing plants isn't the hard part. Look, I can help you. I can get you real money for legitimate research. 
the research you were working on prior. You know I can, but first you need to shut this shit show down. All you need to do is tell Magnus you found an error and you need to destroy the plants and start over, Jack said, hoping his appeal would make sense to Gomes. Gomes's demeanor changed instantly. You think you could do that? he asked innocently. I do, Jack replied, hoping rational thought was winning. He could almost hear the gears in Gomes' head grinding before he finally spoke. Let me think about it, Gomes said as he turned and left. A few minutes later, Jack sat next to Serena in the break room again, with a cup of coffee in hand and a vending machine pastry on a paper towel. She picked off a piece of Jack's year-old pastry. You could have eaten, you know. You were just served dinner. He shot her a look for clawing at his pastry. Sparks weren't flying off your knife and fork either. This whole thing is bullshit, Jack said. What do you mean? Other than the plant virus? She asked. I was right and wrong about the virus, Jack said. There's no beneficial purpose for what they're doing. They're trying to create a designer blight along with the cure, he said seriously. What the hell are you talking about? Have you lost it? How'd you pull that out of your ass? Serena looked baffled. Jack raised his eyebrows. I didn't have to pull it out of my ass. Gomes told me, he said, staring at Serena. Serena slapped her hands on the table and pushed her chair back as if the idea was just too ridiculous. Gomes told you? The guy that looks like he can barely stand upright? She breathed deeply, noting that Jack's serious expression hadn't changed. You're not kidding, are you? She asked pensively. Nope, I wish I was, he replied, then continued. Did you see their reactions when I asked about the new species? It was as if Magnus forgot why the hell I was here. He thought about what he had just said. I'm starting to believe that this is all bullshit. It doesn't make sense for them to have hired me in the first place. Anyone could have tested that stuff. Was there really a new species? He asked Serena pointedly. Serena scratched her head as if in thought. Yeah, I think there was, or at least they think so. You can give them results quickly and your name carries some weight, so no, I don't think that's bullshit, she said. At a hundred and seventy-five grand premium? No, I'm beginning to think the employee veggie garden is the only thing that matters. Magnus has some fucked up shit going on here, and it's not just the weed. Really? Magnus is a prick, but I can't believe he's nefarious. I think Gomes may have sold him some pie-in-the-sky plan trying to reclaim his reputation. But I can't believe Magnus would purposely put his operation at risk if he thought Gomes was doing anything shady. Magnus has a great thing going on here. He runs one of the biggest legal weed operations in the country. He wouldn't jeopardize that, she said. Jack raised his eyebrows. Yeah, right. If you say so. He could tell that he wasn't getting anywhere with her and quickly pivoted. So, you're still calling Health Canada, right? She nodded vigorously. Absolutely. Jack blew out a sigh of relief. Good. Tomorrow, I'm officially done. You still want to see the sites and visit other facilities tomorrow? He asked, changing the subject. Serena paused. Surprised but thrilled that Jack suggested it without her having to come up with a reason to keep him from leaving too early. She smiled and nodded. You bet. I'm thinking we'll get going early. 
then visit the facility in North Bay. It'll be fun. I think we need to get out of here and take our minds off everything for a while, she said with a smile. Fun would be nice, but I'll take anything right now. The thought of dealing with Gomes or Magnus any longer than I have to makes my skin crawl, Jack said. They said their goodnights and walked to their rooms. When Serena was sure Jack was safely tucked away, she went back to Magnus's office where she found him engrossed in a stack of files. He looked up momentarily and pointed toward a seat without saying a word. We've got a problem, she said. I don't see why. We've done what we were asked and kept Boy Wanda busy for a few days. What's the problem? Magnus asked absently. He knows about the virus project in the employee garden, Serena replied. Magnus dropped his files and pushed back his chair in astonishment. Excuse me? He knows. Somehow he grabbed some of the corn or soybean leaves on the way to the bathroom and tested them when Gomes took a break. Magnus furrowed his brow. So we have a crop of plants that are diseased. That's not unheard of. I don't see the problem. It wouldn't have been a problem if Gomes hadn't caved in and admitting to concocting a virus in the first place. Why the hell would he do that? Magnus shouted, his face turning red with rage. Gomes told him that the research was to deliver beneficial modifications via virus. He was freelancing a bit and tried to create a cover story on the fly, she said. Magnus squinted. Well, that sounds reasonable, I suppose. It would have been, except somehow Glasser figured out the real purpose and confronted Gomes. Gomes told him everything, she said. So you're telling me that Jack Glasser knows that we're working on a virus for creating a food blight? He asked, drilling down further. Serena nodded. Magnus cursed in Dutch. He then jumped up from his chair and began pacing. Are you sure? I'm sure. Jack told me as much. He was starting to freak out. I told him I'd take care of things. He thinks I'm going to call Health Canada Monday and alert the cavalry. I had to promise I'd take care of it. I threw in a personal weed tour or one of the other facilities tomorrow to get his mind off of it and keep him from leaving so soon. What did Gomes say about me? Was I implicated? She nodded. Oh, yeah. Jack doesn't think Gomes has the entrepreneurial spirit for something like this. Plus, Gomes threw you under the bus for good measure anyway. Magnus remained silent, fuming. Serena had heard bits and pieces of gossip since she had started working for Magnus nine months ago. It was mainly gossip surrounding his employer. However, no one had actually seen the man. Couldn't even confirm that his employer was a man. But from a few select calls she had overheard, it had to be a man. It would have been physically impossible for Magnus to show that much deference to a woman. He was scared. That much she could tell. She knew Magnus and Glenn Halvers at Agrifuse were cooking up a food blight. That much she had heard from Gomes, later confirmed by Magnus with a few death threats sprinkled in, but she'd never ask about Magnus's true employer. She took a stab at probing for more information. Ultimately, her fate was intertwined with Magnus's, and she had no interest in hitching herself to a wagon that was going off a cliff. How will this affect your employer? she asked. Magnus kept pacing, purposely avoiding the question. There was no way he was going to tell Serena Green, a fairly new organization member, 
that he was out over his skis and the buyer's project was in fact an unsanctioned entrepreneurial endeavor on his part. If the organization ever found out what he was really up to, he'd end up at a deep hole somewhere in a remote area of Canada. He changed the subject. What if I talk to Mr. Glasser in the morning? Ensure him that there will be no public safety issues that arise from this. Would that work? He asked. It's unlikely. Based on what Glasser saw, he doesn't believe it. He thinks the storyline that Gomes pushed is dangerous science anyway. She scratched her head and continued. Well, the fact is, you've got nothing to lose by pushing that storyline, but you may need an acting coach and will most definitely have to tell him that you'll shut it down. Maybe even offer up Gomes as a sacrificial lamb. You are going to cut him loose and shut the project down, right? She asked. Magnus narrowed his eyes and cocked his head. There is no cutting him loose and there's no shutting anything down. At this point, I need him and I certainly can't just fire him. It's obvious he can't control his mouth. He'll need to stay, however, it won't be pleasant. More like a CIA black site. He raised his finger as if to indicate he had just had a thought. He picked up his desk phone. Eric, I need you to shut down all communications. There was a slight pause. Yes, Wi-Fi and Internet phone service. He looked back at Serena. If nothing else, maybe we can make sure Glassa doesn't have a change of heart and decide to tell someone. We'll need to talk with him in the morning. She made her way back to her room. At the guard desk, Eric, who was still on duty, stood up and walked toward her. How about a nightcap? I'm officially off, Eric suggested, grinning stupidly. It was all she could do not to throw up. Eric repulsed her. However, as a new employee of the organization, she had to be more cordial than she would have liked, but still couldn't help herself. Right, she said with a hint of disdain, keeping her body in a position to throw a punch to his throat if need be. I've got to get up early. Good night, she said, turning abruptly. Next time, then, he said, as she walked past him down the hall. Back in his room, Jack opened his laptop, still annoyed with the lack of Wi-Fi service, trying to make sense of the day. His head was spinning, and he tried to focus on the facts at hand. He'd found evidence of a major viral plant infection, something that, if left unchecked, could conceivably pose a serious public health problem. Even without extrapolating worst-case scenarios, it could potentially threaten major food crops as well as cost billions to eradicate. He had an uncontrollable desire to reach out to Luke, but with no cell phone, no Wi-Fi, and his room phone not working, he was stuck, practically a prisoner in his upscale apartment in the middle of nowhere. He dug through his pockets for another edible as he felt the familiar pinpricks on his face. He didn't possess Luke's bullshit meter, but something in his gut had told him that Gomes' explanation was a lie. During dinner with Magnus and the crew, that notion was confirmed. There was no discussion of the potential new plant discovery, which in retrospect was odd. It was the reason he was there in the first place. If they were sincere and really thought they were onto something, they wouldn't be able to shut up about it. Doubt morphed into fear as he thought about the rogue virus. He thought about the infected plants, then pondered the unique strain that he had found. It was truly a Frankenstein Gomes had concocted. 
It was simple on some level, the viral equivalent of low-hanging fruit, since the base norovirus was robust and well-studied. That bothered him. To deliver helpful genetic mutations, a common norovirus would be the equivalent of da Vinci using a paint roller to create the intricate features of the Mona Lisa, or using a howitzer to go duck hunting. It was all wrong. The only reason he used that particular virus would be because it would be easy to cover up since it was so common. Who'd be able to say for sure that that particular strain couldn't have morphed and jumped the fence, making its way into the food supply? He knew it was right. This could lead to another pandemic. He recalled his bathroom epiphany with gums, then put the pieces of a random puzzle together the only way they would fit. Gomes' motivations, Greenleaf supply chain, their board of directors, everything. He'd rearranged the puzzle pieces a hundred times in his mind, and the only picture that made sense was big agriculture up to the same old shit. This time, it was worse. Creating a food blight in order to own the patent for a cure was truly fucking nefarious. He sat on the edge of his bed, staring at his reflection in the mirror above the chest of drawers and tried to relax. To anyone watching him, it would have looked as if he was in a trance. Truth be told, he was. He tried to quiet his mind, putting his advanced meditation techniques to good use, but the movie in his head was too powerful. Bits and pieces of random scenes flashed across his mind's eye, like some avant-garde movie without a plot line. He thought about his childhood trauma, the lightning strike that put him and his brother Luke in a coma for a year. He thought of that event daily, waking up, realizing he had lost a year of his life and simultaneously gained more knowledge than any human would normally be capable of storing, much less using. He caught glimpses of himself deep in a coma, seeing with blinding clarity a barrage of information power-washing every crevice of his mind courtesy of his middle school teacher's assistant. He felt small and alone, fissures of doubt widening into cracks in his subconscious. For better or worse, he and his brother had been given a gift of sorts, an infinite library of knowledge they had used to create a thriving consulting business and a small fortune. Yet now, all that was left was a sinking feeling that they were well on the path to becoming a couple of dark web celebrity assholes. Sure, they had made money working on government and corporate projects, but he'd always worked on bits and pieces of bigger solutions. His efforts always compartmentalized, never knowing how his efforts fit into the larger scheme of the overall projects. Now, in the middle of a remote cannabis farm, he had seen behind the curtain and felt ashamed. Has Luke been right all along? Does my work contribute to the common good? Who knew? Probably not, he thought. Was he any better than Gomes just because he could solve hard problems? It didn't feel that way to him now. He knew deep down inside that he had helped some corporate giants gain a competitive advantage, or worse, help some government agency or organization do something illegal. Maybe he was worse. For once, there was no plausible deniability. He'd seen the bigger picture and knew whatever Gomes was really up to was dangerous, something that could potentially lead to a pandemic, something that needed to be eradicated. 
He felt sick to his stomach and spit out the edible he had popped in his mouth a few moments prior. This was no time to numb himself. He realized he'd made up for the lack of satisfaction in his work by focusing on investing. Picking winners and losers came easy to him, and in four short years, he'd amassed a fortune that most people could never dream of. But a hole inside him was getting too big to fill with a new jet, new car, or hot girlfriend that fit the stereotype instead of someone that actually loved him. He knew Beth was playing the part, just like he had. But now he realized he had been sleepwalking through his life, blissfully ignorant of the ramifications of his work. She wasn't the cause of it all, just a symptom. His senses flooded. He felt nauseous, and the tremor returned to his hand. Something inside him broke. For the first time, he felt like he needed to be a man of action. To finish something. To act with purpose and do something bigger than himself. He needed to make sure that that virus never made its way out of the facility. He had to make sure of it, no matter what.